Happy anniversary. Not to us. That's coming up. But to That's coming up. Thank you. Yes, we oh, just celebrated yeah. our nine-year wedding anniversary. Wow. You Every got, year. You got married just before we started the show. I got married because we started the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's Glad sort of we true. can help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. It, it is sort of true. Uh, when we first started dating, um, we had this agreement, uh, Kelly and I, that we would never get married and we weren't going to have kids. And that we both were like, yeah, that's, that's what we want. And then I was a web developer at the time, and the YouTube thing started to take off. And She's like, I, got, I don't like, want to lose this rocket. Deal. I don't want to lose yeah. this <laughs> rocket taking off. I got to marry this guy. No, no, it is the other way around. I married up. <laughs> I, I'm the lucky one. And uh, I was able to quit my job, and I needed health insurance. And we're like, you know what? Maybe we should get married. And we did. Nine years later, here we are. Wow. Next up, kids, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> too old now. Yeah. Nah. Nah. Every year we well, make cool, wedding rings. Uh, yeah. And every year I'm late and I did not get our new rings made in time this year. The only year I've been on time is the very first year <laughs> for for the actual wedding. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty common statement about marriages. Like you're always going to do a better job at the beginning when it comes to stuff like that. And then <laughs> it just you know, you're like Priorities. You get better at the important stuff and and yeah. and worse at the stuff that's not. Yeah, really that yeah, important. yeah. Well, that's awesome. That. I think I'm a better communicator now. I I'm better at not overreacting to situations and letting things sink in a little bit. That's something I've gotten way better at. Me too. Oh, in my life, I've gotten way better at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been married for uh, twenty. One years now, which is crazy. That's like a person. Oh. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a <wild>. person. <laughs> um, and that's one of the things that I, I still got a long way to go. But one of the things that I can confidently say I am better at because we have been married for so long is just the communication between Jenny and I. Like we had a certain way that we communicated for the first five years and then a different way for the next five years and then the last 10 years has been like we started to finally get it we started to finally understand how to talk to each other and how to like deal with hard stuff and mm. you know we still have our moments where we're not great at it but i think we've gotten a lot better i'm laughing because you said that, you know that keeps changing and just progressively gets louder and more angry <laughs> <laughs> now we just scream at each other from opposite yeah. of the house <laughs> but it works it works great yeah, yeah. No, we have gotten better at that, I think. But, man, that's crazy that that's been that such a long time. My oldest had a birthday this last week, and I have a 16-year-old kid. Mm. You have a uh, basically a miniature adult. <laughs> yeah. We were the same size, same, wow, that was hard to say, the same size shoe. Mm. I, I went to buy him shoes for his birthday, and I tried them on in the store to make sure that they fit well. That's funny. That's so strange. Anyway, were they were um, they hairy and ugly? No, no, those are for the younger one. But, um, oh, and he told me this morning. So anybody that doesn't know, I made Hobbit feet shoes for my ten year old for his Halloween costume. And they were super gross, super hairy, but and he liked them a lot. And then he told me this morning before he left for school, I don't think I want to wear those to school when I dress up. I was like, oh, it's fine. You don't have to. Why, why don't you want to? I was thinking, like, he didn't want to tear them up or, you know, he doesn't want something to happen to him. And he's like, 
They're really, really gross. <laughs> I don't want my friends to see them. That's a win. That's yeah. a win. He's like, I'm still going to wear them on Halloween, but I don't think I want to wear them to school. <laughs> Fair enough. I wouldn't wear them to school. But anyway, what have you guys been up to? You go, Dave. Uh, well, Wesley Treat was here for our wedding anniversary yesterday. He was there for my oh. wedding anniversary, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does. He just crashes wedding anniversaries. No, Wesley left my uh, house and went to your house. Yeah, and uh, oh. apparently you're upset that he didn't text you saying he got here safely. Oh, yeah, I was just joking when he posted he was with you. <laughs> uh, so he was here, um, not for a collab, he's just kind of on his way home. And so he kind of witnessed my brother and I working on this little Simon table. Uh, it's, a, it's a little end table that we're integrating a, a Simon game into. And he appears in the video. Uh, he has a couple little cameos. Um, usually I That's wear fun. the same baseball tee in my shirt every single video it's like white and blue and he's like hey can you give me your shirt and your hat to uh and i can pretend to be you and i was like well funny enough i have 10 of these shirts and two of these hats so let me go (laughs) (laughs) and then so he wore my glasses and he pretended to be me for a little bit it was pretty fun i just ruined the joke for a lot of people but it was it was so good that uh it's worth ruining that's cute. Yeah, they'll, they'll still watch. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're still working on that table. In the meantime, I'm like way behind because of the first week I have two videos due to Squarespace this month, and the first week I was gone for that conference. The second week I was sick, and now I got really behind, and so we quickly shot a, a an I bought video it's a it's it's a fun little series that seems to do very well on my channel but i bought the cheapest tools on amazon where i would go to i would find like a a circular saw and then i would sort by lowest price and then i would i would i bought that and so i bought enough tools to actually make a project so this particular video we're unpackaging things and then i'm i'm giving them my own amazon rating and comparing them to the actual amazon rating so it's a fun video and then there's going to be a part two where i take all the tools and actually make something and this time i haven't announced it publicly yet because things aren't 100 for sure but these tools these cheap tools were are going to go into my quote unquote budget shop which we are buying another house mm. to do short-term rentals. We mm. are in the final stages of, of that. Mm. Uh, our, our offer was accepted. Congratulations. And yeah, yeah thank you. Awesome. So it's in, the, it's in the loan writing phase right now. It should be done in another week or so. And it's a, it's a tiny little house. Uh, it's, I'm like, it, it's real small. It's cute. It has a lot of potential to look super cool because it's got one large brick wall and it's got the, uh, I don't know, I'm not good with my terms. They like a, there's no ceiling, so it's like an A-frame. So you, and it's got skylights vaulted, up above. Vaulted ceiling. Yeah, thank you. And it's got a tiny little garage. And so we're going to do, the the plan is in, for now to do short-term rentals, Airbnb. And I build all the furniture in there. And it's going to be very Pachuto-esque, very mid-century, modern, Danish, modern style in there. And I hope to build all the furniture. And then it's kind of like a little cute little Airbnb getaway here in town. But the garage would be off limits. The garage would be my second garage because I've totally run out of space here. 
So, and then the long term is after the after this Airbnb series is done on my channel, then we'll probably switch it to a long term rental and rent it out to somebody else, and then maybe mm. start over with another house if the series works. So, this is my uh, this is my exit plan out of YouTube. Once I'm no longer relevant and my channel's not doing any good, maybe I'll become some sort of real estate investment. Mogul. Mogul. Yeah. That's the word you're looking for. Yeah. It takes a lot of work. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I want to do the YouTube thing forever, but. Hey, just make a YouTube thing about being the mogul. <laughs> right? Yeah. There you go. Maybe maybe that's version 4.0. I'm trying. 4.0. So lots of exciting stuff. And yeah. I'm super scared. And that's when I feel like I do my best work is when I'm under pressure because now budgets are tight. Yeah, like okay. I can't is that, just. Is that order what you're scared food. of? Yeah, it, yeah. It's um, you know, there's a there's a second mortgage. I, I mean, it's a small house, so it's a small mortgage, but interest rates are terrible. This is the absolute worst time, yeah. I think, in history to buy a house, and I and we bought a house. We know that going in. The plan is to pay off the house as soon as possible. Also refinance as soon as interest rates go back down, which they might not, but that's the chance we're taking. And so budgets are going to be tight. I can't just order food willy-nilly and buy the next shiny synthesizer that comes out so this is this is going to be fun yeah wow. well i just googled just for curiosity the highest mortgage rates in history because i remember my dad talking about this and it was much higher than where we are now in 1981 mm -hmm. it was 18.63 percent uh so like right now they're at like for most people they're at like seven and a half percent or yeah. something but this is an investment um uh, mortgage and so we're actually paying like 8.125 which is insane oh wow. but we put a huge down payment like so took my savings and it not all my savings but a huge down payment going all in i believe in myself i believe in myself before and it works so why wouldn't it work now after all is said and done this seems to be the most stable investment is property yes mm -hmm. yes that's what everybody says and that's been no matter what the, yeah Look, I mean, look what happened to downtown Manhattan. Everybody's like, oh, you know, but now it's back. Yeah, everything, everything bounces back. Yeah. Yeah, that does seem to be the constant. It will still fluctuate up and down, you know, cost-wise and stuff, but it's never going to, I wouldn't expect it to ever completely drop off. Like, you're not going to lose a whole lot on mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exciting, man. That's that's going to be, that's a cool set of stuff to be able to do that you don't have to live with. Because one of the things I've noticed about what we do is, I mean, Jimmy does a lot of stuff for other people, but you and I both have done a lot of stuff for our homes. And so there's that personal consideration in how something looks and how something functions and where it fits and how it deals with the trim and the door and, you know, mm -hmm. and being able to do that somewhere else that you don't have to like, you're done with it, you put it there and then you're done. That sounds mm -hmm. kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I've been working on my second house this week. We just did, I didn't show any of the Instagram because I just Man, didn't want to get a second house. Yeah, I didn't want to field a lot of the questions, but we did a lot of the foundation work for the extension. I'm calling the the graveyard house has three parts: the old, the new, and the extension. And the extension is the one thing that I've worked the the most extensively on because it's the needed the most attention. And we dug up and put the gravel down. We're going to do a stone stack foundation like it was. So I'm basically restoring it to what it was, but it's going to be a hundred times better. Because 
now we do drainage. When I say we, I mean the guys that do the stone stack. It's more of a modern, it's a, it's a modern approach. Dig up, put gravel, put drain pipes, drain it away to the lowest point in the yard so that you're not just sitting in puddles that heave and frost and shift. So drainage is always uh, moving the water away from the foundation. So we did that. So we got all the drains in place and now I start building the sill plate back. So that was a lot of work. I'm also working on a few years back. I did a video for Carolina Shoes where I TIG welded an aluminum toolbox and I did a horrible job and it was globby and lumpy and I thought maybe I could hide behind the grinder the whole time. But I left it. I said, so I'll post that video in conjunction with the one I'm about to post. So finally I'm doing another aluminum toolbox. It's going to be more of a camera case for my office. It's an all polished, highly shiny aluminum. And I TIG welded all the joints and you'll be able to see. I put the reel up so the reel is up already. The reel of me just welding, but the finished box is going to have a wooden interior with like felt line drawers and stuff. The TIG welding came out much better than that first time. Still need some practice with my rhythm and trusting the technique. I find when I TIG weld, the, the, biggest, the biggest problem is I'm not trusting what I'm looking at. And I get a little panicky and then I dip the tip mm. and my go too hot or too cold. And it's just a matter of repetition. You know, it's just, they say it all the time, it's just time in that seat. That's all it is. And But I did really well compared to the other one that I did use before. And I, I can definitely pick up a piece of aluminum and with about 70% confidence know that it's going to be okay. Whereas before, it was just a complete shot in the dark. I had no idea what I was about to do. So it's That's a, where I am, yeah. Yeah, it's an exercise in TIG welding. And the class that I took at Lincoln Electric was a big, big, big help. So I'm working funny. on those two I watched, things. I watched that reel and my silly brain, my first thought is, Jimmy's welding a mirror. What the heck? How's he doing that? Yeah, it was confusing to look at. <laughs> it's a highly polished yeah. aluminum. And people ask me where I got it and there's a fan. I wish I could remember his name, but we haven't talked in about seven, eight years. He and his brother own a company that manufactures gas tanks for heavy rigs for 18 wheelers so they manufacture the alternative gas tanks that you step into and go up onto a big 18 wheeler big company in illinois and he says he has thousands of pounds of cutoffs and he sent me i wish i could remember who it was i could probably dig into my old emails and find it because i want more he sent me these five foot pieces that are one foot wide they're all just drop-offs from the cutoff oh my from goodness the, from the chopping machine and maybe he sent me 10 of those and I used them for that first toolbox and now I have I still have lots left and so when we cleaned up a few weeks ago they churned up and I said to Rob I'm like let's use those and that's why that's where I'm at so they're highly polished and I experimented on the buffing wheel when you weld on that highly polished edge it crinkles the shine a little bit but I went to the buffing wheel I have this big industrial buffing wheel and it gets rid of that and I'm not going to sand the welds again. They're good. They're, they're pretty good. They're not perfect. The rhythm, you can see where I start and stop. And I'm not good at feeding the, the wire. So I just stop welding and I let the wire in the puddle. It cools immediately and then I move my hand up and I weld again and then it cools and I pull my hand up. So I'm using the weld to hold the wire in each, each dip to as soon as I could walk away and the wire would hang in space. But I got a rhythm doing that. And I know that's not ideal, but it's what's working for me right now. And uh, it's going to be interesting. So today I'm going to go and last night I went to Harbor Freight. I bought a toolbox. It's like $30 toolbox to sacrifice all the hardware from it and put it in this one. 
Nice. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to get that going. And I'm I'm going to uh, I got a, a cool project for Carolina Shoes coming up. And I for Halloween I'm going to try and time the graveyard restoration. We restored me and Wade Fowler restored a few stones in the graveyard. I'm going to try and time that for Halloween. Even though it's going to be, we're all going to be like hot and sweaty, and it's going to be a beautiful sunny day in July, and August. But I'm going to try and time that for just around Halloween. So I got a few videos coming up. Cool, awesome. Yeah, I was watching you um, do that TIG welding, and just I don't know. I, like I've tried it a couple of times, and I have had zero luck. Just it, it's just something I don't get. I also have never sat with somebody who's good at it, yeah. which I think is, you know, the thing to do. It's it's mm-hmm. having somebody there to actually tell me yeah. what to and do. Yeah, and when I've taken a class at Lincoln Electric, me and Derek and uh, Brandy Obey and a few other people, and, uh, uh, Lucas, we all took that class together, and it was it was a great help. We understand the, the science behind it and help. I've had a lot of people, just to throw this out there, I've had a lot of people offer to give me that mm-hmm. type of instruction, and I... Yes, I would love to. It's just never actually worked out to be in the place where the person has the welder and has the material and I have the time and, the you know, mm-hmm. like lots of people have offered. I could also... I know I just, we... Go ahead, Bill. Okay. Go ahead, Dave. You go. We exist in this world, in this podcast, to encourage others and to, to motivate. But to listening to you talk about TIG welding aluminum, like, demotivates me from ever trying. Like, Why? Uh, You'd be really good at it. <laughs> it sounds so tough. I'm not... Yeah. No, I'm telling you, once you crack the case, like, once you figure it out, it is so easy. I mean, I'm saying it's easy, but what, what's, what's difficult is making it look good. But to get it to be a good weld is easy. Getting it to look good, like keeping that rhythm, mm-hmm. is definitely the hardest part. But since both of you guys are musicians, I'm not even joking, you're probably better at it. Then, you know, once you get to that point where you understand what's happening, just keeping that rhythm. If you guys drum or strum, I'm telling you, you probably hmm. would be good at keeping that rhythm. And it's that rhythm that makes those dimes look like they're stacked. It's, you, I could make a perfectly strong weld that looks horrible. So it's not about the technique of, the, uh, of what's happening to the, to the metal when it liquefies. It's keeping that rhythm, the bump, 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 bump. That's, that's where I'm having the hardest part. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> uh, two yeah, things I wanted I to say. Um, you see my crazy mustache? I look like John Waters. It's grown, it's slowly growing back in because now we're on video. Yeah. <laughs> I did not do that consciously. I went and got my hair cut and the gentleman said, would you like me to trim your beard? I said, okay. And the first thing he came at me with the thing is he went, Rrr. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> so I just let him do what he was going to do. So here I am looking like John Waters, not not by my own hand. So... I yeah, well, so. the problem with the video thing, it's great, and I'm glad we're doing it, but the problem is I can't hide my office anymore. So now I have these, like, just boxes of stuff that have always been there and continue to been, be there, but everybody can see them now. Well, you could do Whereas this. David looks like he's in a museum. <clears throat> on his, no, no, oh, my gosh. If I could turn the camera around, I'll, and I'll just do it for for the visual. So there's a, there's a chair there, and then... A bunch of oh. stuff, and then oh. the, the, yeah, there's just piles of stuff everywhere. Everything is just a huge, huge mess. So, it, it cool. I I quickly clean up behind me before we <laughs> hit record to make it look like I'm in a museum. I just have but my key is, light. Is Everything is dark. That's it. Hmm. That's the key. Maybe I, maybe I should get a green screen. I yeah. can drop it down right behind me here, and then we could I could be in space. Everything like, is water. Yeah. That's cool. Thank you for showing that. I feel a little bit better. 
Um, let's see. For me, what have I been doing? <laughs> the dogs. Two dogs. Oh, no, dogs. Uh, let's see. I've been working on. I built a, a shop project this week that'll be out in a couple weeks. It was a pretty quick build, but it made a whole section of my shop considerably better. Uh, but doing like consolidating an area down to a cart. Every time I've done that in the shop, it like opens up this chain react potential chain reaction of oh well now there's more space right here, so I could move that thing that's over there into this space so that it makes more sense you know to fit it right here. And if I do that, then that means that that space is open, and then that other thing can go there. But if I'm going to move that there, it doesn't really make sense. So I should probably take that, and it's just like this. Okay, now I can take everything and move it five feet to the left and I'll have a new shop and I I spend so much time just doing Tetris in my head to figure out if any moving anything at all is worthwhile hmm. do you guys do that or I have a feeling Jimmy's just like nope it's everything lives where it lives and then yeah I, I find I can get very distracted I know there's a question coming up for the second part of the show, but I find it very distracting to start cleaning <laughs> and reorganizing. <laughs> I have to have absolutely nothing to do on a Sunday afternoon to organize my shop. I clean, I put things away, but mm. I have a pile I have right over there is all the piles of tools and over there is all the piles of my current project accessories and over there is where the batteries get piled. That's about as good as I get until somebody comes along and helps me. Rob helps me, Rob's very good by the way when he focuses on organizing the shop, he's good. And then I'm really good at undoing it. It's my specialty. <laughs> but I mean, it, and don't take this wrong. Yeah. I don't mean it in a negative way, yeah. but you have a lot of space. I do. And I so do. you don't, you, you don't have the, and I have a lot of space too, to be clear. I don't mean it like that, mm -hmm. but you, you don't ever, or this is a question. Do you run into the situation where you need to move things around for yeah. like, just just making enough room to do absolutely. something? Absolutely, like or, the welding section. Last week when I cast the bell, we had to move the car and then move. We had to move the kiln and shift a whole bunch of stuff around. That was really more for safety, so we weren't carrying two thousand degree hot molds in the wrong direction and bumping into stuff. So we shifted mm -hmm. stuff around, and occasionally when I do a welding project, I have to shift stuff around because that section, the welding section, is a little crowded. I got a lot of scrap that I can't get rid of, so it just sits around in different buckets. And uh, definitely my woodworking section of my big big barn shop is not organized. I just keep things shoved into the corner when I need this. When I need the joiner, I pull it out. When I need the big planer, I pull it out. I just shove it back in. So I don't have that really well-planned out shop. I never did. And I don't ever want to land a machine permanently like the table saw, for instance. I still can move my table saw if I have to. It's on one of those pump jack casters, and I don't have an outfeed table. I do in my in my industrial shop, in my backyard shop. I don't have an outfeed table, which is where I've been shooting most of my videos. If I needed a lot of work on the outside, I would, I would set up an outfeed table. But I don't even have one. I would just have to mock one together for whatever that project is. I don't know. Yeah. That's just, I, I, I always say to myself, focus on the projects, not the cleanup. Not not the organization. Hmm. Focus Sometimes on I need a break from the projects, and that's when I need that's to true. clean up. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a hundred percent true. That's why I say, like, when there's nothing to do on a Sunday, I'll go out there and I'll start being like, you know what? Let me yeah. attack the uh, total boat section. Seven hundred <laughs> jugs of total boat stuff, and half of them are full. So I'll start combining 
gallons of like materials and organizing the cups and brushes. Mm. I do that. Uh, David, uh, your your shop has always been very designed and very mm-hmm. intentional. I mean, from my perspective, it seems very intentional. And I know you've changed it before, but you don't seem to change it often. Is that correct? Or are you always making little adjustments? And- That's pretty much correct. There's, uh, I mean, we've, we've filled up every s- space. And so everything kind of fits where it can. That still allows a, a good flow. When I got my laser about a year and a half ago, it's one of those big guys that's on a wheel that's on wheels. I had to figure out how to make more space. And so this is probably probably overkill. There's probably better ways to do it, but I drew up my shop in Illustrator top down and then I made all my tools and then I was rearranging in the program trying to find the perfect space. You know, I've done that. Yeah. I've done that. And for when I first planned the big barn I did that. For the most part, everything is where it wants to be. And in hmm. it, it does it does work, you know. Some there could be a better flow, but then you have to introduce dust collection, and then some tools are two twenty volts. They can only live right here, and, yeah. And that's so you a, that's the thing. There's there's those limitations. It's not the perfect ideal shop, but I don't know that anybody ever has the perfect ideal shop. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, like the perfect setup is a setup that can change to be what it needs to be pretty much at any given time. That's if you get too point. permanent, and I think at Jimmy, that's what you do. I mean, if anything's too permanent, then it becomes less flexible. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, I always, we're, we're working on a TV show concept right now. And if that was to come through, everything would have to change for that. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I don't, I don't put outlets. There are a couple outlets in the floor, but they're kind of universal. It could be used for several machines, but I don't have anything bolted down or anything. If I could go gotcha. back, I would put all my electrical outside the walls. Well, I, we have, and when Patrick and I were designing my shop, he said, what would work best? And I was like, everything everywhere. Like, ultimately, that was the answer. Everything everywhere. So under each one of the windows, there's, uh, I think, six windows on each side of the shop. And under each one of the windows, there's a pack of outlets. This way, we know where to locate them. And there's not stuff leaning on top of them because they're in front of the windows. All the blank spaces in between the windows have shelves and cabinets in between them but right where the windows are we don't have too many chunks of wood leaning in there and there's no machines taking up that space so this cords going to underneath all the windows and <clears throat> we also considered doing like packs of like you see in a movie set where you plug into one two three three phase outlet and then that turns into a little pack of electric which is something we talked about we haven't done it yet but it's something we still occasionally talk about so that you can bring that closer to a temporary project or a TV show situation. But under each window, by the way, we have a bunch of quads of 110, and each one of those quads has its own circuit breaker. And in some cases, each one of the outlets in the quad has its own circuit breaker. So Same. three machines don't pop one mm-hmm. breaker. Mm-hmm. And then right next to it is 220, and right next to it is 60 amp, which is that bare plug, the one that you see on a washing machine. And then right next to that is three phase. We have that under several of the windows, not all of them, but under several of them, which is enough to service mostly everything in the room. So. That's wild. That's a lot of power. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really convenient. But when we were setting up the shop, Patrick says, buy once, cry once. He says, you don't want to be dealing with this later and trying to install it when you get a new machine. So that's why we just did everything everywhere. It was obviously expensive, all the, all the, the hardware is expensive when you go to three phase. Yeah. But it's yeah. done now. Hmm. So. 
Cool. Well, my shop is still in flux. I think we'll continue to be in flux. You know, I think one of the things about that is just my my moving interests make certain things a priority at different times. And then, you know, I'll, I'll look at the space and be like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't really, like, I haven't touched the lathe in forever, but I probably will use it at some time. So I'm not going to pack it away and put a bunch of stuff in front of it. It has to be accessible, but not available, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, but I do that with all the things. So they're just constantly churning and this kind of around the outside walls of the shop. But anyway, I found myself in that situation again yesterday and fought the urge to actually move anything but i did start thinking through the you know this goes here and this goes here and this goes here kind of is the radio head song everything in its right place constantly playing in your head while you're while you're doing this well it is it's constantly playing in my head anyway because i love that song (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i've been i've been trying to figure that out but uh also i had a note here i wanted to throw this out and this is not relevant at all to what I've been doing, but we've had several people ask us in the last two weeks, three weeks, about the thumbnail for the podcast. The thumbnail is not showing up in certain thumbnail player thumbnail players, podcast players, and I have no idea why. But it also comes back, and I have no idea why. This is not something that we've changed. This is something on podcast player side. It doesn't affect anything. It, people have let us know which is really nice of them but it's not something we can control apparently so hmm. anyway thanks for letting us know mm-hmm. but can't do anything about it um all right so what i asked yesterday on instagram we've been posting now that we have video we've been posting some clips and stuff on instagram trying to be more active over there and i posted last night asking for some topic ideas and we got some great questions and so i thought we'd go through some of those today and one of them from josh smith I think is interesting because we talked about this a little bit. So he said last week we briefly talked on reconfiguring our audience to align with new interest and style. And he was talking about how it's the space that we all work in has been, has gotten crowded, more crowded. There's more people doing building things and, and making stuff. And he's basically asking if we have any thoughts about creating new styles or new branding to differentiate yourself from the number of people who do what we do, because it definitely has gotten a lot more crowded. And while I think there's a lot of appetite for making things or watching people make things, I think it's difficult now for a viewer to, to, it used to be where a viewer could come and like, there's, there's 10 channels, there's 20 channels, there's 50 channels that make things. And like, that's, I've got enough time that I could watch all those people that I like. These days, there are so many, nobody has time to watch all of the things that they might want to watch. So they have to be choosy, which means a lot of things don't get watched. So um, to stand out, to be one of those people that gets watched by the potential audience that all of us kind of share, I don't know, what thoughts do you guys have about being front of mind to those people. One thing that comes to my mind right away is lately I've noticed him doing it more impulsively and less consciously is coming up with videos, for instance, like dangerous things not to do in the shop <clears throat> that could also be cut up into shorts. And that's a good example because that video is 13, 14 minutes long. 
is got 100,000 views. And the shorts that have come out of that, one of them is closing in on 600,000 views. Just one segment yeah. of that longer video. So lately I'm thinking about things that can be chopped up. And I'm thinking of little bits and pieces. For instance, we talked about the TIG welding. I did the TIG welding and I did a fast time lapse of me welding the last most important part, the rim. And when I looked at it, I was like, this is a short. So I'm trying to figure out ways of doing what I do traditionally, but have segments within it that can become shorts intentionally. And a little bit more often than not, I'm framing myself so that the middle of the frame could be used as a short. So I'm thinking like that, that's changing times and, and consciously thinking about the changing times and how to use stuff in the changing time. So um, <clears throat> definitely considering that more. And it, like I yeah. said, the, the one piece of this video is going to be going viral versus the whole video is like still just lumbering along. I think it's interesting. Go ahead, David. Uh, I think that you have to identify who you are as a maker and then identify who you want your audience to be. And that's going to be the start of it. You can't just say, I'm a woodworker and I make videos for woodworkers. That's way too broad now. Five years ago, that probably worked great. But you, <clears throat> I think you have to kind of niche down a little bit more and identify what kind of stuff you want to make and who you want to make that for. There's, um, you know, you look at woodworking for mere mortals. That's great for anybody who wants to start out. That's not the audience that I am making videos for. Somebody that that audience could watch my videos, but then they might think that I am out of range of the tools that they have so i'm trying to work more about or i'm just trying to deal more with inspiration uh ideation coming up with cool ideas and coming up with cool designs and then it would be if you want to make that thing that i'm making then you have to problem solve and figure out how to do it with what you have and there's just so many different types of of making i think you just have to niche down and and find the audience that you want to make for and and i also think it's important to do what you do best to discover and find new things in is obviously you do that incrementally but to try and start something completely new right away i think would be tough you know they always say write about what you know <clears throat> make about what you're good at and this way you could inspire people to do that if you want to get outside that i would say do it in a slow approach or i mean you could do what was that one Bob, you mentioned him years ago, and he always popped up. The guy that he's going to do learn something completely brand new in one video, but he was able to frame it in a way. Mike Boyd. Like, oh, yeah, Mike Boyd. Yeah, yeah, he does one brand new thing in the video, something he's never done before, which just shows you the really interesting approach to learning. That's turning that whole thing into it, but I'm not sure yeah. that's what you want to do. That's it. That's maybe, his thing. you got to come up with your thing. You have to have yeah. your thing. Yeah. So this, I mean, I, we talked about this last week, which is where the question came from. And some additional color to what I was saying last week was that, uh, you know, I did the, the transformer head thing and then the hobbit feet thing. Both of those videos are the two worst performing videos <laughs> I've had in as long as I can remember. And that's no exaggeration. Like, yeah. you, you know, analytically, you can see they are terrible, terrible 
compared to the other stuff I've done. Now, they both have like a 99.1% thumbs up rating. The comments on both of those videos are 100% positive as far as I can tell. Like there were no negative things. I've gotten messages and I've gotten all sorts of emails and stuff about how much people love those two videos. They love from all 10 viewers. They love it. Well, but that's the thing. Like every every message I've gotten, every comment I've gotten was like you look like you're having fun. This is this is great to watch. I laughed the entire time. I really like just great. So uh, with the question, with Josh's question here, I'm with you in that how do I how do I rectify that? How do I I'm getting a hundred percent positive reaction to something that will not pay my bill. <laughs> huh. Okay. So do I do right. I double down on that thing that doesn't pay me? Or do I say, well, I can't do that thing that people seem to, some people seem to like. I, I really enjoy doing. Can't do it as much. You know, do you sprinkle it out so you do it once a month? Do you, you know, there's all sorts of things to consider there, but I really got confronted this last week with, huh, the thing that I really enjoy is not as marketable as I would like it to be. It's not as marketable as the other things that I've done in the past. And that, you know, that could be changing times, that could be changing opinions, that could be changing of how I'm on camera. I mean, there's a million variables there. Who knows? And that could be, but and that, it also translates to like, if you make widgets, and you make 10 different kinds of widgets, not all 10 of those widgets are going to appeal to your audience. So it's it, it's just, I think it's part of having a business and, and figuring out what what works. And sometimes what's really close to you uh, is not what the greater audience makes or wants. And then you, so some things are a compromise, some things are for you, some things are for them. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, uh, Forby and I were talking about some product stuff recently, and he, he had a, rightly so, has a very, like, specific opinion about how something should look and the quality of, of it and everything. And I was kind of pushing against it, saying, you know, but we should do a, a cheaper, simpler version, whatever. And he's like, well, you know, that's not really, that's not the goal here. But it kind of is the goal in that the cheaper, simpler, more broad version of something can pay for the opportunity to do the very specific, very well-designed thing. And so from that same perspective, doing a shop project video can pay for an Optimus Prime video mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, or whatever, you know. So your loss leader, Josh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So I think, you know, at least for me, for now, having the balance of back and forth of of something that's broad appeal or broad useful or whatever makes up for the fact that I'm going to want to do hobbit feet sometimes or I'm going to want to do lightsabers sometimes and those are just not going to hit with enough people to pay the bills. It's not that they don't hit with a lot of people like we've had this conversation a bunch of times 50,000 people in your backyard is a lot of people and I'm not trying to discount that that number of people to watch something but that doesn't necessarily translate to the money you an need interesting to pay an bill. interesting so. experiment bob uh, could be 
that once a month or twice a month, you do these projects you know are a lost leader, but you're having the most fun at them. So everybody knows that the first video of the month is going to be you goofing off, having fun as you possibly have. No one's probably going to watch it. But I think that core audience might begin to grow. You know, I mean, it's a long, slow play. But mm -hmm. the first video of every month is going to be you having fun with the kids, doing something that you never would think to film just because it's not going to be a moneymaker. Those could eventually flip the channel. If we're talking about... Yeah, you know, redirecting. Yeah. The whole, yeah, but it's a slow yeah. grow. It's not going to be like, you know it's going to be a tough one. Every every week you have that fun pro Every once a month you have that fun project. But it's always in the same time. And the next three videos are going to be more practical, more shop stuff, more house stuff. Just just an idea, throwing it out there. If people yeah. know when to always expect it, then I think it could potentially grow. I mean, it feels like it could work. But it's a long play. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know the algorithmic nature of all this um, is still uh, going to be a problem for as you're Josh as you're trying to change your style or change your approach or something. The algorithm idea does a lot of good. It theoretically will get people as a viewer will get them more of the thing that they like, but it also has the problem of burying something that doesn't hit with an audience right off the bat. Yeah. If it, if it doesn't get momentum right out of the gate, then it never will get momentum, as far as I can tell. Maybe I'm wrong. Everybody knows the most annoying thing about an algorithm is if you need to figure out how to take the batteries out of a smoke detector and you Google that video, then all of a sudden, you get seven videos about how to take the battery out of it. So <laughs> like, yeah. I just needed that one piece of information one, thing. one time. I'm not about smoke detectors anymore. That's it. Get rid of that. Yeah. So I guess you can go in and select, say, not interested anymore, but who takes the time to do that? The algorithm is not to serve creators. The algorithm is to serve True. viewers. So you, when you make videos, you are playing the psychology game. What do the viewers want? So my brother and I were talking about this the other day, and he was, he was complimenting the last two videos. And he said something about that those were the... Uh, he was like, those are the most Bob videos I've seen in a long time or something like that. And I said, you know, they didn't, they didn't perform well, which is okay. But his question was, are they long-term, like, will they perform over time? The problem is once things don't get churn in the algorithm, they don't get fed to more people, which means they don't get, they don't get growth over time. And they're, because they're not light switch videos they're not a searchable thing nobody's ever going to go looking for how to make a giant optimus prime helmet so it's never going to have the opportunity to be pulled up so all that to say um as you're switching directions as you're trying to rebrand or re you know stylize what you're doing be aware that you're probably gonna have like you're probably going to have to do that new style a bunch of times because some of them are not going to hit, which mm -hmm. means they're not going to get pushed, which means they're never going to hit. But if you do it enough times, one of those will hit. And then once it starts getting recommended to people, people start watching it, your old ones may come alongside it. They may get reintroduced. To I noticed this like week, for instance, I get a lot of comments on my phone, on the face of my phone. And I look and I'm like, oh, that's from a video I did eight years ago. Oh, this. So this mm -hmm. week I got a lot of old videos. So I don't know why, but people have been digging into my catalog. I have no idea why. There's no action reaction that I'm aware of. But somebody somewhere talked about me. 
And that's why I, I always joke with my friends, and I don't know if I ever said it here, everything will, will be better if you save a baby jumping out of a fiery building. So, yeah, if, you, if you end up in the news, all of a sudden, you're going to have this. Uh, whether it's good or bad. You know, God forbid mm. you end up in a bad news story. People are going to start looking at your stuff. If you end up in a good news story, God willing, people are going to start looking at your stuff. If you end up on some groundbreaking podcast, people are going to start looking at your stuff. So it's always there. And for some unknown reason, it does get looked at from time to time. That's why I would never take down videos. I always leave them up because, mm. I mean, I never in my life would ever consider knocking down anything that I did old just because I always like to see the progress. And I'm sure people yeah. do too when people do a deep dive on me. I noticed yesterday somebody I met at Maker Camp commented on like eight of my videos from the beginning of time till recently. And that's hmm. that person just wanted to do a deep dive on me. And they weren't being secretive about it because they kept commenting on all these old videos. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you did this. This is great. And I'm like, oh my, all the day yeah. yesterday on my phone. And then I, I sent him a DM. I said, thank you for watching everything. I didn't have to comment well, I mean, it's on just the like screen. It Anytime you run across a new creator, a new channel that you like, you're like, oh, well, what else do they have? What else do they have? You know, you want to yeah. go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And so that's always a possibility that some of your other stuff that didn't work before will come back up that way to a few people. But yeah, I don't know, I, Josh, I don't think there's a secret to it. I think I think being willing to constantly pivot, adjust what you're doing and try to just keep it as true to yourself as you can and your interest, but also, you know, you, you're working within an economy. I mean, if it's a job, if it's a thing you're trying to make a living at, you're working within an economy and you have to take that into consideration. You have make to sure work you design with it to be fun. customers. You, know? you got to make sure you design it to be fun for yourself in the long, long haul. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be he the guy that... He mentioned in there that he's, yeah. he's trying to do daily vlogging around making. So the making is not the the project right. and that's one of those things that depending on your personality that could be a blast some people love vlogging and they love that type of presentation that would be terrible for me like a, yeah well Casey, Casey just, talks about it. he did 800 vlogs in a row and he talks about how it yeah. nearly ruined his family I'm sure he loves it. he doesn't regret one bit of it but he talks right. about how his rhythm was he's up this time this is where he does this and then this and then if he's not editing here he's not going to meet the mark and so he's always Daily vlogging is, is rough, especially if you're going to be doing elaborate videos. If you're going to do simple stuff, but you work, you do with what works. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be different for everybody, for sure. So I don't know if that was helpful at all, Josh, but thanks for the question. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> uh, let's do, let's see, we're at 45 minutes. Let's do one more. So we talked about rearranging the shop. Um, okay. Suggestion this is from Nick. Uh, Suggestions for someone who wants to be more creative in more than one medium, but really only comfortable in one. Raised garden beds are about all I've created recently, and I want to do more, but I just feel stuck. So he's not interested in doing YouTube, just wants to expand mm -hmm. medium mm -hmm. that he's in. I mean, it seems pretty obvious. You just got to experiment. Don't the most the deadly thing that I see my students and people in life. They go, I want to be a potter like I've been trying to. And I get in there and I experiment and I screw up and I get discouraged and I walk away. Because actually, I, I misspoke. I get in there and I'm going to do a project and I don't take the approach of experimentation. And I fail and I get discouraged. Mm -hmm. Taking the approach of experimentation is the most important thing, I believe, if you want to learn something new. 
Get some reference points. I always say, get a reference point. Get in there, play with whatever it is. Say, this is going to be an approach for the next two days. It's strictly about learning and familiarizing myself. It's not about getting to the end goal. The end goal will come in time as I familiarize myself with how this tool works, how this material reacts, how this ground works, what to do with the shovel. It's really just familiarizing yourself. So many people take an approach of, I'm going to build a violin. And if they don't build that violin and it doesn't work, they're like, I'm never, I'm horrible at building violins. Yeah, you are. Because you're not taking the approach of experimentation, learning the various materials, learning the techniques. So you got to build a couple of crappy violins before you build a good one. That's it. <laughs> I, I mean, I've told people the same thing about video. They ask how to get started, you know, editing and stuff like that. And, I'm, and I always tell them, make the first video with the intention up front before you ever do anything of never releasing that video. Yep. Because then the stakes are out the window. Like, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's terrible. It doesn't matter if you do it wrong. But you're getting the experience of start to finish, shooting, editing, finishing a video. And then if it turns out that it's good enough to release, awesome. If it doesn't, then you've got one under your belt. Now you can start the second one with some experience. It's the same idea. Same exact thing. I, um, go ahead. I think you need to become a student. Like, you, you have to... You have. If you want to get good at something and you really want to take it seriously, you just have to dive in and become a student. So I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about Airbnb, short-term rentals or long-term rentals. Over the last few months, all, all I've been doing is watching courses, watching YouTube videos, reading things. Like I'm so into it. And if you would have said two years ago that I would be studying investment properties and stuff i would really you're crazy but i've become mm. there's a there's a great linkedin course there's a ton of youtube channels uh, not uh, youtube videos there's a couple really good channels that gets into it and i just and some great things to read like i've just i'm i'm all in like i'm that's it's it's what i've been thinking about and i did this a few months ago with uh, YouTube analytics and I've gone through a, a couple of uh, paid courses and then now I'm most of my YouTube feed now is just YouTube how to's YouTube analytics YouTube like it, it just become it, it's all I think about and it's all I want to learn in, in in a little time so in a little bit of time so it's just become a student want it yeah it's good I have a great recommendation Oh, and I'll save it for the recommendations for, for, for this stuff. Oh, okay. Um, I think when you're talking about making in different medium too, one of the things that we might have a tendency to do is if you're a woodworker, then you look at projects as potential projects as woodworking projects, right? You look at, I need a table, so I'm going to make it out of wood because that's what I know, right? But if you're trying to push yourself outside of that, then I would make an effort to avoid the material or the tool that you're used to, at least in the idea stage, to expand your horizons. Or look at projects that just like don't include the thing you're used to or include multiple things. So for instance, if you need to build an end table, instead of just saying, I'm gonna build a wooden end table because that's what I know, I'm gonna build a wooden end table that has a concrete counter top or top to mm -hmm. it because I've never done concrete before. So right. introduce elements a, a little bit at a time. Yeah, like a, a, a fixable, small, attainable thing that's in addition to something you already know rather than just saying, 
I'm going to go build a sidewalk because I've never done concrete before. That's, I mean, that's what you were saying before. Like, don't make it, make it an experiment. Don't make it like an end product. And so if you can do a little piece of it, look for things that are mixed media to kind of work in some new thing. And I mean, that's what I do. I'm constantly trying to just look for projects that are not just one thing. Whether I've done them before or not, it just, I enjoy it more if I get to do more than one thing in any given project. Sometimes those things are new, sometimes they're things I've done before, but that's a motivator for me. You know, if it's a piece of wooden furniture or a thing that has wood and concrete or wood and acrylic or something, I'm just going to go with the one that has more stuff to it just because it's more interesting. So that's that's my opinion. Any other thoughts on that? Yes. Just get outside your comfort zone. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst Failure? that could happen? Do it again. Um, well, we got more questions, but we'll we'll hang on to them. I do want to ask you guys next week. So we're gonna we're gonna do something we don't usually do. We're gonna decide now what we're gonna talk about next week, and hopefully we can remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to talk to you all, uh, the two of you, about how to design. And when I'm not just talked, let the three of us talk about it, I want you guys to teach me how I should learn how to design. Hmm. It's a big question. So, it is a big question, but there's a very specific gap in my ability, and I want to learn how to fill that gap. And we, you know, we were talking before we recorded. This is not me saying like, oh, I'm bad at this thing and I want you to make me feel good. That's not what I mean. I was never trained to design, uh, graphic design is what I'm thinking of. To, to think like, okay, here's a good example. I wanted a hat. Did I talk about this last week? I wanted a hat. So I went online and I looked for a hat. And I wanted a hat that had a good look to it, that had a cool... A logo that nobody would recognize. It wasn't. It was just a cool logo, right? So I found this hat, and I like the way it looks. But if I had thought of this design, and I sat down with Illustrator to draw this thing, if I had this image in my head, I don't think I could have gotten this thing or something equivalent to it into Illustrator to then make my own hat. See what I mean? I can recognize good design. Mm-hmm. I can recognize the things that I'm attracted to. But the from idea to execution and have it look professional and look quality and have the right things. That's a gap for me. Okay. Because have I didn't take graphic yeah, design Yeah, I just wrote down some really good courses. thoughts that we could do. Okay, cool. So I would love to talk about that because I think it is something that I want to get better at. So <clears throat> I would like your all's help with that. Okay. Let's stop there and we'll talk about that next week. I want to thank our Patreon supporters while you guys figure out what you're going to recommend. Mm. Um, Our Patreon supporters are awesome, and they help us out. And they are big supporters. They send us a lot of the questions. They're constantly talking to us on... uh, In fact, I got a message this morning uh, from one of them on Patreon. And we do everything on Patreon, so if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it and pick any level you want over there any support helps everybody gets the after show it's another podcast feed it's only on patreon that's how you have to get it um and it's just more of us talking it's usually secret stuff and extra stuff and just stuff so we're going to do that after this show but right now i want to thank everybody over there for the support especially the top supporters they go above and beyond and we are really grateful for them that's crabtree creative web ranch specialties 
That gets me. They changed the name. It messes me up. Michael Manedge and Warren Works, the new janky workshop. Scott at dat, dat it yourself. I typed that wrong. Dad it yourself DIY. My bad. Sean Beckner, who sent us a bunch of messages yesterday. Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Lowen Designs, Chad's Custom Creations, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. So big thanks to everybody over there. We're grateful very much for the support. Do you guys have anything to recommend? I have two podcasts that I heard this week that I really enjoyed. <clears throat> and there's a, a podcast that I like called All We Drunk with Mark Mar- Mark Norman and Sam Morell. And they had Nick Offerman on this week, which was a nice surprise. Nick's running around selling his Where the Deer and the Antelope Roam as a soft cover. So he's been in a lot of interviews lately. So check out Are We Drunk Yet with Mark and Sam. Nick is on the show. And then WTF with Mark Marin had on Rob Halford this week, who I'm a big fan of oh, Rob Halford. Okay. And uh, he's just a he's just a really practical guy. He, he has a lot of really nice things to say about fandom and fans and how to treat your fans, which I thought was hmm. a really good lesson for guys that have fans, people and guys and girls that have fans. So get a chance to listen to Rob Halford, who's just such a sweet, practical guy who has like been right at the heart of heavy metal since like 1972. It's incredible. His friends and people and the things he just casually talks about are unbelievable. That's it. Cool. So, not my pick is The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. I think we it was my pick a few weeks ago, and... Bob says it wasn't for him. I can see why it's not for some people, but for me, it had uh, a, a huge impact. And I'm actually listening to it again. And I'm actually buying the hardcover book because I want to have a physical copy of it. And it, and I, I mentioned that because there's two books that I've listened to over the last few months that really just had an impact. So the other book, and I'm just like three quarters of the way through, it's called The Practice. Shipping Creative Work by Seth Godin. And both of these books kind of work together and it's all about creativity. And they, they take a totally different approach. So they're two different books, but they just work so darn well together. And and if you're looking to figure out how to be more creative, um, like it talks about practicing. So, you know, trying new, new things and embracing feedback and trust in the process it's it's just so good and i can't wait to when a book really hits me i'll listen to it and or read it and then i'll go through it again a, a little bit slower and and actually actually take notes and this is one that i can't wait to finish so i can start again hmm interesting yeah i've done that a few times with there's a, a couple of books that i've been through several times and I still get something new out of them. Uh, Story Brand. Yes. Donald one Miller, I believe. Ooh, yeah, Donald yeah. Miller. I've been through that many times, and it, it was a, a big one for me, for sure. Um, mine is actually just a silly video. So there's a YouTube channel called Dude Dad. I don't know if you guys ever seen Dude Dad? <laughs> just this dude <laughs> who's dad, and he makes stuff, <laughs> makes fun really silly stuff and he and his wife do like skits and stuff but they did a they had an event i think he's in i think he's in colorado they had an event at this brewery where they 
got a bunch of other creative people and builders and stuff, and everybody made their own uh, like putt putt, like mini go- mini golf hole, and they brought them all to one place and set them up in this brewery outside and then families came and just played putt-putt on this thing so his was a portable hole built on a golf cart so he drove the golf cart in folded the thing down and you actually played the hole like you had to putt over the golf cart and there was a hole in the back so if you got it up it would fall down and spin around the thing it was really cool it was just a fun it was a fun way to get a whole bunch of people to build creative things in one place and then everybody got to enjoy them i I think that's what i liked about it you know Hmm. it's a fun idea but i don't know he's got some fun stuff seems like a fun guy cool um oh another thing not that it matters at this point but (laughs) because i think it's sold out i'm going to the lightburn conference next weekend it is in peoria illinois Uh and um lightburn for laser cutting yeah, yeah. The software that runs laser cutters, which is a great piece of software. I'm going to go give a talk on some basic laser stuff. There's people there giving a much more technical Bernie and Chad will be, be there. Mm, that sounds so fun. Oh, really? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Excellent. I, I wasn't sure who all was going. I know that there's a couple people speaking that are going. That Winston Moy is going to be there. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Winston in a really long time. Uh, Jen Schachter... Um, there's a couple other people I'm blanking on right now, but I'm not sure who's attending. So this is to anybody who's attending. If you're, if we know each other, come say hi. Find me because I'm going to be lonely. <laughs> not really. I'll be there. Um, wanting to hang out. So uh, that is this weekend as October. Well, I guess next weekend, October 27th. One of the Chads 29th? will be there. And Bernie. One of the many Chads. <laughs> cool. Chad from Minecraft. All right, you guys got anything else? For this Just week? a reminder that oh. we are on YouTube now, so you can watch the podcast. Yes, mm-hmm. that is all. Good call. Yeah, don't make fun of Search my mustache. I didn't choose. This. <laughs> Definitely, let us know what you think of his mustache in the comments of the video. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you next Later. time. Bye. Bye. Love you.